All right, right off the bat here today, we are going to get a response from sayhi.chat slash OTR. Remember, if you want to respond to anything at all on Unplugged OTR, just head on over to sayhi.chat slash OTR, leave us a voicemail, and we will definitely listen to it, hopefully even play it on the show. Today's clip is actually from Big Boss James over at H&M Trucking. Let's hear it. Hey guys, this is James. I'm just uh, responding to uh, a few questions here I unplugged. Chris, I appreciate the kind words that you uh, you said. And, you know, Sherry, you're always such a delight. Continue to be the uh, walking liability that I've always inferred. I thought it would just be a good thing to recognize that I do not make the employees clean the showers up at the driver's lounge. That is done by an outsourced cleaning crew. But now that we're such on a discussion about peeing in the showers and whatnot, I think that it's time that maybe we send Caleb around the country on a truck stop tour and he can get firsthand experience of what it's like taking showers around the country, you know, get a little grizzle, kind of learn what it's like to be on, on, on the true road. What do you think about that, Caleb? Have a good one, guys. <laughs> well, I don't really think I need to go to any other truck stops across the United States, but I guess James thinks I do. What do you guys think? I don't know. I'm all for it. Let's hear it. Caleb in the shower, everyone. Oh, you want to hear that? Uh, no, I will be the first person to jump on and say hearing you once in the shower is enough. And uh, for your oh. for your mental health, I say let's keep you focused on the podcast. But mm. fair point. If you're dirty, Caleb, and you need to go down the street, I guess a nice truck stop can't be a bad place. You know, he never did say if he did or did not pee in the shower. So I guess it's to be assumed, James, that you do pee in the shower. <laughs> The feud continues. It's a safe assumption. If you're going to dodge the question like a politician this close to election time, I'm I'm thinking you're correct, Caleb, <laughs> uh, which is one thing you hate peeing in the shower. And today we're going to be talking about something else that you hate, Caleb. Such a nice guy. How could you be filled with so much hate? But I do understand Black Friday gets under your skin a little bit. Oh, my gosh. I hate. I hate capital H Black Friday. A capital H. It's got to be the worst holiday, right? Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday, but then my least favorite holiday falls literally the day after. I can't even say that anymore, though, because Black Friday starts on Thursdays. It's true. On Thanksgiving. How dare it? Give me Lent over Black Friday. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I love the deals, okay? I'm a sucker for a deal. I will be 100% honest with you and say that nothing hits better than walking out with a $500 TV that I just bought for 200 bucks, but... I think the the idea of Black Friday as a holiday itself is a bit insidious. It's it's uh it's taking over an entire it month. It's already taken over a holiday. I think that Black Friday could put the brakes on. For sure. If I have to listen or see QVC on my grandma's TV on Thanksgiving one more time, I'm gonna lose it, guys. <laughs> I don't even do Black Friday, y'all. It's about Cyber Monday for me. I'm all about the Cyber Monday. Uh, here we go. It's so much easier mm. from the couch. You just get on your computer. Amazon does all the things, and they bring it right to your door. Such a millennial. Yeah, I don't really care about Cyber Monday, but I just can't <laughs> do Black Friday. I mean, it's literally named after the event that signaled the Great Depression. What? Yeah, you know that Black Friday is what they call the, the Friday that the market crashed right before the Great Depression that signaled the Great Depression. I don't think I did know that. Oh, that's what we call the holiday where we all go out and spend a lot of money right after Thanksgiving. Well, I think that's because uh, everybody experiences their own Great Depression right after dropping so much money on Black Friday. <laughs> Listen to stories from the road. 
This is Unplugged. OTR on the 10-4 Network. Welcome into Unplugged OTR. I am your host, Marcus. Uh, I want you to go on a journey with me in your mind for a minute. Think about this. You're at mom's house. Thanksgiving's all wrapped up. The fine china's been put away, and grandpa and dad are watching another disappointing showing from the Detroit Lions through their eyelids. What's next on the agenda, you ask? Well, standing in line in freezing temperatures, blizzards, and torrential downpours to score a great deal on socks, of course. Sound crazy? Well, it is, because we're talking Black Friday and trucking today on Unplugged OTR. Joining me, as always, on the show, she might live on a farm, but she will not put up with any bullshit. Please welcome Maria. Howdy. It's true. Don't try me. (laughs) And he'll take your mother out for a nice seafood dinner and call her the next day as expected. What's up, Caleb? Hey, Marcus. Yeah, that's probably true. But man, those Detroit Lions are disappointing every Thanksgiving. Spoken like a consummate gentleman. And speaking of a consummate gentleman, joining us today on Unplugged OTR, he's been with H&M for 16 years now. You can find him on YouTube over at Glastonbury Gabriel. Uh, He's built his own motorcycle and has a very special friend that goes along for the rides with him. Please welcome to the show, Jeff Kellison. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm very happy to be here. Now, Jeff, I am a born and bred Oregon boy out here in the Pacific Northwest, rainy as it may be. Um, I understand doing some of my show research that you actually spent some significant time over on the Oregon coast in a little town called Seaside. I've recently been trying to get Maria addicted to Tillamook's uh, French vanilla ice cream. It's too late. I'm already addicted, Marcus. <laughs> there you go. Mission accomplished. Do you ever get to make it back out here to Oregon? Uh, I know you're based out there in Omaha. So how much do you get to see the Pacific Northwest and the West Coast? Well, I'm based in Omaha, but I actually I live now right outside of Olympia. So once in a while, I go down to Astoria and go to the tuna boat. Have you been to the tuna boat in Astoria? The guy that does the uh, fish and chips with tuna? Oh, I haven't, but that sounds amazing. It is. It's very good. So I I make it down there once in a while. Yes, I grew up in Seaside. Um, Seaside was a much different place then than it is now. It was a logging town. And the first week of September, they rolled up the sidewalks. The guy that owned the little tilt-a-whirl and the uh, miniature golf used to feel sorry for us kids. And he would open for like three or four days right around Christmas to give us something to do. Oh, that's sweet. Um, that's nice. Every date I ever went on until I was married um, was pig and pancake because in the wintertime, that's the only thing that was open. The pig and pancake. <laughs> now you're tugging at my nostalgic heartstrings right there. They got one of those in Lincoln City as well. Um, my my family, my, my parents and my wife are all from Newport, Oregon. So uh, very familiar with the coast. And uh, it's a beautiful place. And I just knew you were going to be good people uh, because you spent some time out there and you're a Pacific Northwest guy. Uh, speaking of, of uh, you know, geography, where are you at today? Where does your uh, where does your route have you at? Um, I am actually in Council Bluffs. And in the morning, I'm going to go over to uh, H&M's drop yard, and I'm going to pick up a trailer, and it is going to Tulsa. Great. How do you like that route? Is it one of the ones that you enjoy, one that you dislike? Uh, You know, it's perfect. I mean, it's wonderful. Yes, the places I don't want to go is Chicago, obviously, and anywhere (laughs) east of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We hear that a lot. Yeah. 
So where's yeah. your favorite place to drive then? My favorite place to drive? I don't think I've ever been asked that. We've stumped him. <laughs> you know, I... You can say the Pacific Northwest. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, you know, Oregon, Washington, uh, you know, the I-5 corridor. Um, I think my favorite place in the United States, as far as a region, is the volcanic area down in southern Oregon and northern mm-hmm. Cal, like anywhere south of of Klamath Falls and north of, you know, somewhere just north of Sacramento, that volcanic area around Mount Shasta. It's beautiful through there. I, I've, I've seen some gnarly traffic jams on I-5 there around Shasta and uh, in southern Oregon, but it is a very, very beautiful track to go through for sure. Yeah, it's my favorite. You know, and I, I'm also a gold panner, so I've been known to pull like on the old... Highway 89 around back behind Mount Shasta or uh, or Highway 97. I've been known to pull over and do a little gold panning. So. That's so fun. That's so cool. I used to do that as well, and it's a good time. You have your little tray out there, and you can sift through the creeks and rivers. It's really fun. Do you find it necessary to have things like that to kind of break up the route every now and then so that you can kind of stay alert and enjoy yourself during these long hours? Well, I don't get to do as much as that, of that stuff as I would like to because the pickup and delivery times are, are really tight. I mean, the, you know, there's not an overabundance of time. But, yeah, once in a while I have time to, uh, to do something like that. And I do have – I don't know whether you can see this or not. but How cool. Got a little bit of gold oh, yeah. there. That's amazing. I wish we had a video element to this so that the listeners could see it, but Jeff is holding up a vial of gold that I assume you panned right out of a river somewhere. I did. Do you remember where you got that from, Jeff? Um, I think, you know, one of the videos I did on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, um, was the Salmon River in Nevada. Mm-hmm. And it, it was really, it's, it's kind of a funny story because... I, I actually, I cheated a little bit. And I, <laughs> oh, no. Tell us more. I went along the Salmon River. Anyway, I was doing this video, and I went with my trusty little garden spade, and I dug around all of the boulders that were in the river, and I had my, my big pan full. And I'm panning, and I'm explaining to people what I'm doing. And I look at it, and there's gold all over in this pan. I mean, this thing is just like oh my goodness. full. Oh my goodness. And I was like, I, you know, I, I, you, you think in your mind, okay, you know, people are going to think that you, you know, you spiced the pan, you know. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, to remain calm and pan this stuff out. There's like gold everywhere in this pan. I mean, this, this one pan has more than a gram of gold in it. So wow. it was That's wow. really incredible. Yeah. It's hard to find that much. I know when I was going out, there was little bits and pieces here and there, but nothing nothing that significant. You know, I had an uncle when I was growing up, and uh, he lived in, in Jackson, California, which is in the Gold Hills above Sacramento. And he used to go, him and his wife, they would go gold painting every weekend. And he had gold like you'd have to see to believe, but he knew how to do it. And he had a gas powered sluice box and he would run it. I have a feeling he ran it even in the places where he technically wasn't supposed to. But he uh, <laughs> he had gold like all the time. And so growing up, hearing the stories of it was kind of what got me started. 
That's awesome. Well, you got to bend the rules a little bit. I mean, if you're not if you're not out looking for gold where you're probably not supposed to be, are you even trying? Wow, True. that is such an incredible <laughs> hobby, Jeff. Uh, but I don't want to go past something that Marcus said in your intro. Uh, he said that you built your own motorcycle. Can you tell us how that happened? I did. I broke down in Las Vegas. It was uh, about, I don't know, 10 years ago. I broke down. The transmission went out in my truck. I was in Las Vegas for about 10 days. And they had these little Chinese motorcycles uh, for rent. They were kind of off the strip. And I went and rented one. And I really didn't enjoy it because it was the 4th of July weekend. It was so hot. It was like riding into a hairdryer. (laughs) I mean, it was so hot. It was just, you know, it was not enjoyable. But I loved this motorcycle. So I went online and I figured out where they were. And I ordered it and I got the uh, paperwork for the DMV, the uh, certificate of origin and all that. And I I took the frame out of the box and I took all the parts out. It was a big wooden crate is actually what showed up at my house. And Every piece I took out of the box, I would look at it and I would say, well, I can do that better. And then I took the next piece out. Oh, there's much better choices for this. So I ended up, I chopped the frame. I added a foot. And basically the only parts I kept was the certificate of origin so I could license it and the spinometer and the fuel tank. And I, as I traveled around the United States, If I had a spare minute, I would run somewhere and I would pick someone's brain. And I ended up, the front wheel is a Vespa front wheel. The rear wheel is off a Yamaha Rhino, one of those four-wheel things that the Mm -hmm. farmers use. And I had the seat custom stitched by a a upholstery shop in Pennsylvania. And I, I just basically, I built this. Wow. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Showing a picture of it right now. Uh, it's yellow, which, uh, you know, Oregon Ducks. That's one of my colors, Jeff. <laughs> so I, I approve. It does remind me of a Vespa a little bit. I, 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 I'm glad that you brought up breaking down in Vegas. I have 10 or 12 stories about breaking down in Vegas. None of them have anything to do with a car uh, or, or a truck for that matter. But, uh, you know, I have a, I usually I give my uh, cursatory, my you know, my mandatory uh, roll of nickels. When I'm done, I'm done. You know, there's so much to see there and there's so much to do. For sure, yeah. Well, when you said that it came in a wooden crate, that just reminded me of the movie The Christmas Story when the lamp comes in the wooden, large wooden crate and on the front it says, Fragile. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny because today we're talking about the holidays and the Black Friday rush that comes about. And so we just wanted to know, do you notice a Black Friday rush around this time of the year or a holiday rush? Uh, You know... Yes, I, I try and and get up really early on the Black Friday historically and get my driving done because, yeah, there's a lot of traffic. And I'll tell you something else. Today being Election Day, there is a lot of traffic today. I really? was shocked. Yeah, I went to Walmart and did a little shopping. And Actually, the shopping I did is a, is a funny story. The guy that I uh, share my channel with, uh, Gabriel Avalon, mm-hmm. he uh, has never experienced uh, Thanksgiving because they don't have Thanksgiving. Oh yeah. So I went to Walmart today and I got two boxes of cornbread stuffing and I got mm. two cans of candied yams 
and I got a couple of cans of, of turkey gravy, and I got uh, some of those crispy onion things to make green bean uh, casserole. Oh, those are yes. the best. Those are the best. Yeah. Yes, and I boxed it all up and I sent it to him, and it's going to be kind of a surprise because oh, basically, other than the local stuff that he, you know, he can get the local stuff, um, he he'll be able to have a real American Thanksgiving. That's so kind. And for our audience, where is Gabriel based out of again? Um, he is in Glastonbury, England, which is in uh, Somerset uh, County. Um, and it's uh, it's kind of the north, kind of west, not real north, kind of central west. Yeah. So how did you meet? How did you become friends with Gabriel? Um, we both met. There was a, another guy who had a channel and he was asking for people to submit videos and he would play them on his show. And him and I, we were doing videos and we were sending them in and that's how we we shared our email address and him and we are spiritual brothers him and i we are okay yeah it's really it's very cool now did he ever call your truck a lorry because i know that they've got a little bit different (laughs) vocab over there is he called a lorry yes and if you notice on my videos the um the picture of the truck that he uses for the intro into my videos has three axles in the rear because their trucks have three axles. It's a little different so. over there, isn't <laughs> That's it? That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Once again, check out the YouTube page over at YouTube uh, at Glastonbury Gabriel is where you can find these videos. Yeah. So he so they'll have everything they need to do a basic uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. That's really neat. It's really nice of you to send him over a Thanksgiving meal for his first Thanksgiving that he can experience. Never had pumpkin pie. Never had stuffing. Oh, what? what a crime. That is a crime. <laughs> it's a big crime. He probably thinks the real crime was when we separated and took our independence, right, though? I mean, is that is it not just missing out on stuffing? Let's be honest Stuffing's here. pretty good. I don't know. He's pretty good-natured about stuffing. It's really funny. Um, one day we were talking on the phone, and he's like, you know, I keep seeing these things in the movies and I really would like to try one. And they, you know, they, I watched this detective show and this detective is always eating them and all that. I said, well, yeah, what do they call it? He goes, well, he says, I think they were called a ding dong, but I'm not sure. I'm like, oh, I'll send you a box. Oh. So the next time he calls me and we're doing a video, he's got chocolate all over him. No. He's <laughs> Beach hand and he's eating these ding dongs. It was really quite funny. That's great. Oh, Did he like them? Oh yeah. I haven't <laughs> sent him anything that he didn't like. Yeah. Now he needs a regular <laughs> delivery of ding dongs. Yeah. Oh, uh, the box I sent today. There's cream of wheat in it. He had he over there. They well, I go through you know Iowa City all the time, and it always smells like uh, oatmeal. You know, the whole town, because they have that huge plant there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it does. I've been there before. Talking to him on the phone, I always roll the window down, and I'm like, oh, I'm in oatmeal town. Oh, that smell is so incredible. Well, I always tell him, well, it smells like oatmeal cookies. Well, he had never eaten an oatmeal cookie. So when I was home, I sent him a package of oatmeal cookies, and he's like, oh, my God, if this town smells like this, I want to go, you know. (laughs) And the other thing. That he always wanted to try was cream of wheat. So today's box has cream of wheat in it. That's a really interesting thing to want to try. I feel like I've never had cream of wheat in my life. Is it good? 
Uh, it's yeah. <laughs> the hesitation. Uh, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if I'm convinced, Jeff. Even we oatmeal. Uh, I grew up on the West Coast, though, so you know when I was growing up, we called it farina. Farina. But same, the same thing. Yeah, farina. Never heard that. Interesting. I've actually never heard that before, but uh, I, you know, it, it's cream of wheat was weird for me. I'll eat oatmeal all day long, but something about the different name always put me off. So I, I'm sure that it's fine. Is it similar? Yeah, it's just it isn't cream of wheat, Jeff, just a little bit kind of a creamier, a little bit more soupy than uh, than what you would say oatmeal is. Yeah. The, and it was really funny, too, because I told him when he made the first batch, I said, yeah, dab just put a dab in because it grows you know <laughs> i said you don't you don't do like a quarter of the box because you'll never eat it all so he's like when i talked to him the next it's like, oh man i'm glad i listened to you that stuff's heavy so yeah oh, <laughs> that's one of our other great american traditions is the portions i'm sure he was surprised <laughs> when he saw how big a ding dong actually was right you know it, it's a funny thing we, we kind of when we go we have, you know i have places that i just love there's a when you leave um fargo and you're headed like to the twin cities uh, out there at exit 61 there's a truck stop they advertise on the highway that they have buffalo burgers anyway their food is just like incredible i mean they have incredible food so you know i always i'll take a picture of it and i'll send it to him and i have you know an american truck stop a plate of food you know he goes to london and he'll go to this he's like Oh, you know, I'm going to this place. You, you'll love this place. He said, it's like on the plate. I'm like, that's an hors d'oeuvre. You'll never be full. <laughs> that's an hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> oh, man, that's so funny. Well, hopefully his Thanksgiving dinner is nice and big and filling for him. A hearty meal. You'll see the video. The video will be on the channel. So you'll, you we guys can go back be watching and watching that. Yes, I need to review. That's awesome. Yeah, and so talking about the holidays, you said you think it might be a little busier, but how do you really see it impact the roads during the season? You know, you just kind of kind of plan ahead. I mean, like on Halloween, you start early, you quit early because you don't want to run over anybody's kid. And yeah. uh, <laughs> that's a good uh, goal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about the minivan. Yeah, um, but I think this year uh, everybody's doing their. Black Friday sales now, so I think this year is going to be a lot better. I don't think. Well, good. I don't. I don't. We're going to see the holiday rushes that we normally or that we have. They're spreading it out a lot more. We were talking about that with Caleb earlier. I don't really like Black Friday. I'll make that known because it's <laughs> just a, such a crazy thing that it's basically Black November now. They're doing everything on Mondays for Walmart now. It's weird. And the understatement of the show is Caleb just saying that he doesn't like Black Friday. Yep. Uh, it's it, it goes a lot further than that. It's deeper. Hatred. We already discussed it. <laughs> it's a hatred, yeah. With a capital H. <laughs> I really, other than going to Walmart, I really don't shop anymore. Uh, I buy everything online. You know, when I'm home, you order it by 10 o'clock, they deliver it the next morning. You and me both, Jeff. I'm such an Amazon yeah. person, and I love Cyber Monday. I'm not about the Black Friday. I'll shop online all day long. If I can shop from the comfort of my couch, have it delivered to my front door, everything's good to go. And they even wrap stuff for you now. So Christmas, no questions. It's Amazon. <laughs> and you know, if you need an 8-inch wide Vespa wheel, chrome Vespa wheel, you can find an 8-inch wide Vespa chrome wheel. I mean, it's crazy. they have one. Can, you can find it and you can buy it and it shows up magically on your doorstep. 
things with hard dimensions are definitely good. I've I've learned my lesson, however, with Amazon and clothing here recently oh, no. because I bought some rain pants that showed up that I could have tied the legs together and, and supplied water for the village with. I mean, these things were so big. Um, and, and my wife, same thing. She'll order something that she's super excited. She'll show me a picture of, you know, beautiful model with it on. And when it gets here, it's like, no, they just sewed a trash bag up. That's all that thing is. So Gosh. I, like I said, I think if you need the Vespa wheel, Amazon's great. If you need rain pants, maybe go to the store and put your hands on them. I've never tried rain pants on Amazon, but I can say I've had some luck with different things on Amazon, like dresses and things like that. Not that we're all looking for that. I don't think Marcus is typically looking for a dress on Amazon. So <laughs> I'll just leave you well, to your Well, every one that I've ever ordered myself, Maria, it's never fit, <laughs> well. okay? Every single dress I've ordered off Amazon. Darn it. <laughs> Uh, so getting back to driving around Black Friday, Jeff, um, and, and kind of a holiday rush, do you have any advice that you would give either four-wheelers or truck drivers uh, for the differences in road conditions and the things that go on over the road uh, this time of the year? You know, the only thing that I would say is I would really like to ask whoever took down the yield signs on the on-ramps down, Why? It's <laughs> a good question. Mm -hmm. People not people not checking up. They're just uh, hitting the gas and getting out there in front of you and, and making it a little bit of a crazy. They go right to the end of the ramp and they start braking. Uh, you know, there used to be a yield sign, you know, that you could point at and say, you know, you're supposed to yield. But now wow. they're not. <laughs> and it's, am it's amazing because, you know, I'm 70 some feet long rolling down the road and some Toyota Corolla. They get mad because they're they, because I'm not moving over for them. And, Gosh. you know, I mean, it's easier for them just to speed up or slow down a little bit. I mean, and it's always a Toyota Corolla. Always. always. I drive a Toyota Camry, but I've learned, I promise I've learned the unplugged audience. <gasps> but that's good advice. Please, if you're a four wheeler, yield to those trucks because it's a lot harder for them to stop than it is for you. Well, and if there's any kind of corner at all, if you're on any kind of a corner, even a very slight bend, uh, the trailer blocks my mirror. I can't see to get over. The other thing that I find amazing is the construction zones. They have a sign that says 35 miles an hour. If you go 35 miles an hour, when you get to the end of the construction zone, people flip you off and pass you what? on the shoulder. I didn't put that sign up. I mean, you're just yeah. following the rules. And it's like the Halloween rules. All you're trying to do is not hit a construction <laughs> dude. I mean, it's it yeah, it's, seriously. makes sense. These aren't dumb rules, you mm -hmm. know? Well, and, and I, I've driven 2 million miles, thankfully. I've never hurt anybody, and I'd like to continue the trend. <laughs> 2 million miles is unfathomable from a four-wheeler seat, okay? For sure. I can't even imagine that. I, I, it's just so many miles. You said in the intro, uh, as we were talking to you before, and we mentioned it, that you have a special friend that goes with you for all of these miles. Can you tell us a little bit about your co-pilot? Oh, you know... I have my sister, Darla, she felt bad about me being alone all the time and all that. Aww. And she bought a sock monkey and he gave it to me and said, this is all the responsibility you can handle. You can't <laughs> have any responsibility than this sock monkey, but you will always have this sock monkey. So she gave me Pete. Pete the, hey, sock, Pete the, monkey. the sock monkey. Oh, and he wears a red shirt. How adorable. That's awesome. Oh, he's kind of a big sock monkey. That sock monkey is like a, a child size. <laughs> that's a that's a toddler. Does H&M's pet policy cover sock monkeys? <laughs> There's no weight or breed restriction, so I assume. 
<laughs> he's he's amazing to travel with because no matter how stressful traffic and delivery times and everything, I have never heard him complain. That's great. A great co-pilot. That's the best type of co-pilot. Yes. Best type. I'd be nervous if I heard him complain, though. <laughs> I'd be like, uh-oh, he's talking now. You might need a nap after that. That might be too long without taking a, a sleep rest. He got boxed up last year and spent six months in England. And Kevin Hall and Gabriel Avalon, he went to Castles and he went to a real English pub. Oh, he's like a flat Stanley. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's really That's cool. Really neat. So he might be even, I mean, he. have you ever been across the pond to meet your friends face to face or is the monkey more traveled than you are at this point? The monkey is by far more traveled than I am. <laughs> has been subject to COVID restrictions and other things. And, you know, Pete, Pete traveled fourth class in a, a cardboard box. So Ooh. I don't know. Sounds pretty cozy to me. <laughs> it's pretty nice. <laughs> hey, Jeff, I'd like to know a little bit more about your time before trucking. Did you always want to be a truck driver or is this something that you kind of came upon in your adult years? I worked uh, after I graduated my school. I was a park ranger. I was park ranger at Fort Stevens State Park, which I'm sure one of you has heard of. Absolutely, yeah. I did that for a while, and then I worked for a company called Astoria Oil Services. They built production modules to go to the North Slope, and I did that for a while, and then I went to work for Birmingham Steel, and I worked at Birmingham Steel for quite a long time, and they went out of business, and then I lived in Northern Cal down in Shasta County, California. Lived down there for a while. I had cows and chickens and all that. I got a call one day, was from a trucking company, and they had a school, and they uh, said that they would send me to this truck driving school. So I did that, and I worked for them for a while, but I didn't really like working for them. So I came to work for H&M, and I've been with H&M ever since. Wow. How many years is that? 16 years. It was 16 16? years, September 1st. Incredible. Congratulations. Well, good to hear. So can you tell us, um, I mean, 2 million miles, 16 years just for H&M. What's the craziest thing that you think that you've seen out on the road? And, and this can be driving. This can be at the truck stops. This can be while you're gold panning. I want to hear crazy stories uh, from Jeff OTR. You know, the craziest thing. Um, well, one time I was in a town up in uh, Minnesota. It's where that huge window factory is it's right on the lake of the woods and i pulled in there one day and i had stopped and got a sandwich and i pulled in this parking lot right on the lake and i was sitting here eating a sandwich and these trout were jumping and you would have had to have seen Whoa. them to believe these trout i mean they were like deschutes river steelhead you know summer steelhead these things were huge anyway i grabbed my trusty or this fly rod and I go out there and I land four of them in like five minutes. That's crazy. Wow. Wow. Do you always have your fishing rod with you when you're OTR? I always do. Yes. Yes. Do you ever get to cook trout then or any fish? Don't, don't tell anybody, but you know, in (laughs) Montana, uh, is this salties where that casino, where the, uh, casino bar is that, where they have all the silver dollars in the bar on I-90. I believe so. Okay, yeah. You walk yeah. across that road to that St. Regis River. I mean, you catch trout in 10 minutes. I mean, they're that. So, yeah, 
I have on several occasions walked over there and caught a trout and cooked it for dinner. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. I think you're the first driver I've ever heard say they keep a pole in their truck. And now I have to know what are the top three things you take with you that you couldn't live without? Besides Pete. You Pete, can't say Pete. I, <laughs> Pete, oh, Pete. Besides. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I have a Rolex. I, you know. What? Um, you have a Rolex? That's pretty good. I don't know. Oh, because do you collect watches? I think I watched a video about you. I do. I do. Yes, I do. And I have some really crazy watches. Not as many crazy ones as Gabriel does now because I've been sharing some of the really eclectic finds that that I that I've found. Um, I used to go to the Swabeats all the time and I would buy these old watches and repair them, which my my Rolex Oh, wow. A beautiful Rolex. Is, uh, yeah, very nice. Yeah. For the audience who can't see this, it's very nice. It's got a nice yellow band. Is that a tan band? It's actually, it's a, um, a piece of parachute web from the British Special Forces. That's so cool. Wow. That is incredibly unique. So wow. is that is that like a one-of-a-kind type thing? Um, It's a Tiger Woods chronograph. Um, the, uh, dial is a, a hand carved piece of conch shell and, uh, yeah, it's pretty, uh, one of a kind, Wow! but it's not maybe the most one of a kind. I can show you one you'll think is cooler. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't, Cause I'm a big Tiger Woods fan. Like I, you get, you're, you're really, you've already won my heart, Jeff. There's a guy in the Ukraine that picks up battlefield junk and makes watches out of it. No way. Oh, my that goodness. Oh, wow. Beautiful. And so what's that one made out of? It's actually battlefield junk. And the uh, Nixie tubes are, uh, they're 1972 burrows. Uh, they're the exact same ones, I believe, from what I've read, that was in the original Playboy pinball machine. <laughs> wow wow how cool a classic a classic, a classic machine in its own right well between watches and motorcycles and pete it seems like you've done a lot in your lifetime and on the road and so i love this question but if you could give yourself one piece of advice to your younger self what would it be i always put myself second I always said, well, you know, you take care of this and I'll do this later and everything. And, you know, I let myself go. Hmm. And if I could go back to 35, I would not do that. I would figure out a way. I would, I would, I would figure out a way to have taken care of my health issues back then instead of putting everything on the back burner. Yeah, that's really good advice to take care of yourself put to yourself first. I think you gave us some great advice and I think you gave four wheelers great advice earlier about not cutting them off, especially during this time of the year and yielding to them. Jeff, I kind of have a game right now that I was hoping that you could play with me because we're talking about the holidays and prices and the holiday season. And I actually went around and I pulled some four wheelers that don't know the prices of trucking related equipment per se, just like I was once. And I was hoping that we could play Family Feud Trucking Edition, if that's okay with you. And you try to guess what four-wheelers think the prices of trucking equipment cost. Okay. So I pulled 24 wheelers, and they were pulled about the price of just one semi-truck tire, tire, a new one. What do you think they thought it cost? 
I'm going to guess they probably thought around $120, $130. Okay, so surprisingly, the number one response was $500, which is Oof. pretty close. Yeah. But the second answer was right around that $120. was actually $150 was the number two answer. <laughs> so four-wheelers, they cost us a little bit more than that, folks. Yeah, when you're standing next to your Prius and the tire goes up to your knee, just go find an 18-wheeler to stand by and see where that tire comes up to on your body, and then you'll <laughs> know why they're $500, right, Caleb? Those super singles sure didn't last very long, did they? No. No. <laughs> the doubles the singles, because, I mean, they're like $1,500. It's crazy. Wow. It's really crazy. Insane. But you said that you were in Council Bluffs today, not too far from Nebraska today. So I also pulled 24-wheelers about the average semi-fill-up with diesel in Nebraska. What do you think that it would cost them? What do I think that they thought that it would cost to fill up a truck? Yeah, what do you think that they thought it would cost? I'm going to guess probably about $300. That's literally <laughs> spot on. That's what they said, Jeff. You're too good at this game, Jeff. To put it in context, the last time I filled up, I think think was in Colorado. Okay. Um, and it was 785. Yeah. So just a little That's off, I guess the four painful. wheelers were. That is a painful amount of money. The air in Colorado is thin and so is my wallet. <laughs> wow. And then I also just asked them about the price of an APU. And one of the most common responses was, I don't know what the heck that is. <laughs> But 24-wheelers were pulled about what the price they thought of a new APU would cost. And we'll finish with this one. What did you think that they thought it would cost? I'm going to guess about $1,500, Actually, I, I feel like He's you good. have the answers to this. He wrote the game. But it was about $2,000. Well, you cc'd him on the email, Taylor, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's pretty I easy. him on that. <laughs> it was about $2,000, though, that they determined. Four-wheelers, please yield the season, but also... Understand that if you don't yield and you hit a semi, they're driving some very expensive vehicles around there. Very expensive vehicles indeed, and you do not want to be on the hook for paying the repair bill on one of them. Appreciate all the research you did there, Caleb, in kind of proving to us uh, what we already knew because we are them. The four-wheelers don't really know what they're talking about. Once again, you can find him online, YouTube, at Glastonbury Gabriel. 16 years in the cab for H&M Trucking and Pete the Sock Monkey riding shotgun the whole way. So with Black Friday on the horizon, I thought it might be a good idea to talk through a little bit of what goes on around this great nation on Black Friday. Um, and it's not all good, okay? Uh, I, I, I did plenty of research. I pulled up so many different sites and lists and videos and everything you can imagine. One that was even called Seven Things That Have Happened on Black Friday That Will Help You Remember to Be Kind. <laughs> <laughs> and not one of those shootings, stabbings, tramples, or untimely deaths reminded me to be kind. So um, just get ready for this, you guys, because I have a six-pack of stories here, and hopefully we'll have time to get to them all. I'm going to kind of start off a little bit tame, and we're going to get the ball rolling and get into some heavier stuff. Uh, this actually went down back in 2011. And to be honest, this woman might have the best idea as far as how to get what you want on Black Friday with minimal damage and uh, a questionable criminal record. Minimal damage. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So a 32-year-old woman uh, hit up a Walmart in Los Angeles back in 2011, and she had a little can of pepper spray on her. Ooh. Well, as you know, people flock to the points in the store, like the electronics section, and uh, back all the way back in 2011, they used to open the pallets right there in front of you. They wouldn't stack the shelves and let you run in. They kind of made you stage up there in the store, cut the pallet open, and got out of the way. Well, this woman uh, unleashed her pepper spray on some 20 to 30 unsuspecting shoppers. Oh, my. Lots of people got sprayed. They all cleared out. This woman got her video games and her video game system <laughs> and was actually able to pay for her items and slip out the door before anyone was the wiser. Uh, you might be wondering, well, how do you know this story? Well, she actually came back and turned herself in the next day because she what? read the same website that I did about how to be kind on Black Friday. It's pepper <laughs> spray everybody on Friday and then turn yourself in on Saturday. That sounds awful. Hmm. Pepper spray. I've never had it happen to me, but I think that's supposed to be super painful to get it in your eyes, especially. Oh, God. Yeah. I was talking to a nurse the other day and she was talking about how she has to do all of this extra prep when she has someone on the surgery table that has been pepper sprayed because it's so potent. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You got to be careful with it. I have pepper sprayed a stunt guy on a, uh, in a during a former job on the radio. And all I'll say is check the wind. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, there's a reason that they tell you to carry it around when you're hiking because th there's a bear that comes that's supposed to stop a bear. I'd be the one, though, to spray it, it and sense. get it in my own eyes every time. Like, it's not going to help <laughs> me. I'm not defending myself. I'm injuring myself. Well, Walmart's the last place I'm expecting to get pepper sprayed. True that. Well, I, I mean, I could make an argument for it being a top five place. <laughs> well, yeah. Pepper sprayed too, Caleb. <laughs> okay. Especially uh, after this episode. <laughs> let's go to, to uh, Toys R Us. This one's back in 2008 from Palm Desert, California. Uh, things at the Palm Desert, California Toys R Us began around 11.30 a.m. when two female customers got into a verbal spat that soon became a physical conflict uh, one of the women drew blood from the other woman, at which point in time, their boyfriends just took the next logical step and started shooting at each other with real guns. Oh, lovely. Um, You're joking. No, I'm not. It, Over it, toys. Or this story has not finished yet. The two chased each other through the store, kind of like a, a, a diehard type shootout. Uh, five or six shots fired in the process when the pair finally reached checkout, which is the logical concluding place for this gun battle. For sure. Uh, <laughs> they both shot and killed one another. What? Uh, turnabout's fair play on Black Friday, I guess. No one else was hurt besides the blood that was drawn from the woman in the initial fight and also probably some feelings about their boyfriends being dead. But uh, yeah, this was all the result of competitive shopping that we as Americans love to do on Black Friday. I need to know though, Marcus. Outcome. Did they get the deal? Uh, if the deal was dying at checkout, then yes, they both that walked out like with it that day. a terrible Hallmark horror movie, Death <laughs> at Checkout. A Hallmark horror movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a new it's a new genre that I'm making. I don't know if they make those. Yeah, it's like a cheesy horror film, but everyone's going to love it. Death at Checkout. Well, well, what was the toy they were going for? Like, I can't imagine anything's worth that much. This is one of the problems I have with news coverage these days, is they don't even bother listing it. Like, if this was a Stretch Armstrong, and there's <laughs> thousands of them on the shelf, <laughs> what are you even doing? But if this is, you know, like a limited copy of Mario Party 3, 
where it's like, I better get that one or I'm not getting it. I mean, I don't know if I'm taking my gat in with me, but I might be ready to fight. <laughs> it's a duel of death that I feel like if it's Mario Party, goodness gracious. I guess so. I guess so. Cross the country, just to let you know that bad things go on in different states besides California. This one, we're going to go to beautiful <laughs> Augusta, Georgia, and a Best Buy where uh, a man named Tracy Attaway had been found inside the store attempting to steal a Dell laptop. Uh, After giving up the computer to store employees, Attaway bolted, defending his exit by brandishing a knife and knocking over at least one employee. When the man ran out of the store, one Corporal Philip Dugan, a U.S. Marine Corps reservist, clotheslined him, which is the best way to stop uh, a criminal. If you're going to stop a criminal, WWE style only, please. Um as he was clotheslined, Attaway was able to uh, kind of skirmish a little bit with Corporal Philip Dugan and sliced him down the back. Um, oh Attaway my. was charged with aggravated assault, possession of a weapon, and armed robbery. Also, owing to his 30 priors, <clears throat> 30. 30 priors, uh, he was given a life sentence for this little deal. So, Mr. <laughs> Attaway... Uh, did not get away with the laptop. He got away with uh, cooling his heels in the clink for the rest of his life. <laughs> I do also want to add to this one more element of depravity. Depravity? Whatever. Corporal Philip Dugan, all he was doing was manning a Toys for Tots uh, donation center outside this store. So he's doing he's yeah. doing the hero's work to begin with. Then he plays the actual hero, and all he gets is a nice gash down his back uh, from Mr. Attaway. Gosh, I hate Black Friday. I know I've already said it, but I <laughs> hate it. The is being fueled. Our, our fourth story here in a 2015 incident, a 23-year-old El Paso man was arrested after stepping on an elderly woman who had fallen in the rush to obtain one of several discounted television sets from a local Walmart. How does he sleep and at Caleb's, night? Caleb's, well, and, and look, I can tell you both look so disappointed right now. Caleb's standing there, jaw hanging agape. I'm just going to bring up a quick side note that I know everybody's thinking, and I'm the only one brave enough to say it. If you ain't got the athletic gifts to do this type of shopping, then you got to get out of the gym, lady. I'm sorry, but if you're an elderly Marcus, woman, come on. maybe the first place you shouldn't be is at the front of a TV, like a cheap TV rush line at a Walmart. It's just self-preservation. Maybe she was buying a gift for her grandson, Marcus. Well, maybe she should shop with you on Cyber Monday because <laughs> this obviously didn't work out well. Bring it on, Fortunately Grandma. for her, though. Fortunately for her, police saw her go down. Then they saw the guy step on the woman. Um, He actually got a hold of a TV. And then when the cops tried to stop him, they actually had a struggle, not over whether or not he was going to go to jail that day, but whether or not he was going to let go of the TV. Oh, my goodness. What? After stepping on an elderly woman? Uh, They were able to get it out of his hands. And the question was if he gets the TV. Yep, yep. Oh, also, he choked an officer during this skirmish. So, you know, I mean, if you're going to do it, do it all the way. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, get your assault charges, get your attack on an officer charges and your old lady assaults and just do some time. Miss Christmas. going down, let it go down. (laughs) There you go. Let's see here. 2016, we'll move uh, to an Adidas store in Vancouver, British Columbia, which means that this doesn't only happen on American soil. These Canadians get woke or wild woke. I don't know where that came from. (laughs) So back in 2016, several people were gathered outside this Adidas store when a member of the crowd got violent and shirtless, which is the only way to get violent. (laughs) Uh, The store was (laughs) the store was set to release a rare shoe sale for the Black Friday event. And they kept the doors blocked with a large metal grate, but the doors never opened because the sale was called off because of this man. Uh, He was caught on camera shirtless and using his belt as a whip. 
Uh, one teenager <laughs> says he was running around with his belt, swinging at all people, oh, and then out of nowhere, some guy came up from behind and started choking him. Let's hear it for our hero. Yeah, Canada. Uh, Woo! <laughs> no shoes were sold that day. They actually raffled them off the next day, which is probably the right way to uh, to to do this, Adidas. I think good job to you. Don't have a problem and then make another problem by opening those doors and letting the rush follow in. I'm just glad it wasn't a belt sale. Sounds like that's where the danger <laughs> lies. Mm-hmm. And finally, a man was shot outside of a Tennessee mall in 2018 as Black Friday came to an end, but it wasn't because of merchandise, you guys. He was in the store shopping and he saw this beautiful woman standing there and apparently, like some men will do, he stopped for a couple of seconds and gave her a gaze and had a quick daydream and then went on about his day. What he didn't bank on was that that lady's boyfriend was going to be standing out in the parking lot uh, ready no. to fight because you don't be looking oh, at no. her and you definitely don't be looking at her on Black Friday because that's when she brings out the nice heels. Um, <laughs> this guy, uh, this boyfriend roughed up the dude who was there with a friend. Uh, the guy that was doing the gawking at the female was knocked down. He was then picked up and as he was picked up off the ground by his friend, uh, the boyfriend fired a shot. It only grazed him. Everybody was okay. Some jail time was served, and we live to see yet another Black Friday. How lucky are we? Happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays, or violently traumatized holidays, whichever you prefer. Uh, let's get to our next interview here. Joining us today on Unplugged OTR, she is a van load planner for H&M Trucking, also has experience at Warner and Hill Brothers. Uh, please say hello, Novella Conan. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us here. I have to ask, as a van load planner, are you also kind of an obsessive planner in your daily life? Uh, a little bit. A little bit? My kid thinks I'm a little crazy, but a little bit of OCD. <laughs> I resonate with that. That's okay. That probably translates pretty well to your job as a load planner, yes? Yes. So take us through a little bit of what, uh, you know, a day, just a random Wednesday, for instance, would, would be for a load planner at H&M Trucking. Well, I work the West Coast, so the West Coast, I don't have a lot of customer freight, so I have to broker loads. So I have to find loads that fit with our drivers and uh, negotiate the rates and check the driver's hours and make sure they can make the load work. Um, there's a lot of hit and misses, like if the rates aren't good, then you try to negotiate a little bit more. If the times are like they get a load at eight o'clock at night, drivers don't like that. If they're expected to give their phone numbers out, drivers don't like that. So I try to do everything I can not to give them contact to our drivers because sometimes they have a tendency to call a lot. We, for safety reasons, we just don't do that. And then I plan the load, plan the driver. A lot of times I replan the driver to my other areas. So then I have to plan it again or the truck again. And uh, it's, it's pretty exciting. I mean, I, I enjoy my job. Yeah, that sounds that sounds exciting. So would you call yourself like a master negotiator? When it comes to money, yes. <laughs> I need you in my corner. That's that's a good skill to have. Yeah. <laughs> I I had to chase someone down for almost two months for money that they owed us uh, for oh, a driver uh layover, but they kept arguing and I just I didn't let it go. Good for I got, you. I got a clap. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I definitely appreciate that. Wasn't going in my pocket, but you know, the driver got paid and that was important to me. Yeah, that's important for sure. <laughs> Their time. They deserve to be paid 
even when they're not driving the truck. They deserve to be paid when they're having to sit and wait. I agree. And especially if they wait overnight, you know, it's just not fair that the big companies make the money sometimes and the, the guys down below don't. So I fight hard. I know the drivers appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, we do. I mean, we've we've talked to uh, quite a few drivers just in the short life of this podcast already and it seems to be one common denominator is they don't like having those long layovers where they're just right. sitting there twiddling their thumbs. They might as well be moving if they're working. It's not productive for anybody. But yeah, I go to bat for them. That's awesome. And and I'm sure you're much appreciated. I hope do they do, do they do a uh, little appreciative things for you novella? Do they do they show their appreciation? I have drivers that have my phone number and they they call me or text me or send me pictures of their dogs. Um, like Gail's one of my favorites. And uh, she tells me she loves me because I'm one of her favorites. And then uh, just a couple other drivers, they I don't mind giving my phone number to them because, you know, if, if somebody calls you too much, you just kind of block it if you don't want to talk to them. It's just not a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> but for the most most part, I don't mind talking to them. I get to know them and their lives and their, um, you know, their families. And H&M is, is really good about, you know, being family orientated. So I enjoy that. Yeah. So I saw that you worked at Warner and Hills Brothers. I, I stalked your LinkedIn just a little bit. But what made you come to H&M? Um, mostly due to, well, I wanted to come. I was working at Hill Brothers and I was a broker at Warner. I worked in the um, risk department, handing cargo claims and work comp and uh, fatalities, uh, wow. you know, all kinds of stuff, which it was, it was crazy. But um, Hill Brothers was, uh, it, it was the logistics was just starting up and it was just like a kind of a volatile environment people getting upset about stuff, but I always heard the H&M was just good to their people and good to the drivers and um, cared about people. And I mean, I have issues going on with my family and I just talk to them and they work it out with you. I mean, they, they care about you. And it, it's a very family orientated company that cares about the drivers and their workers, all everybody. And I love that. It makes it easier to come to work every day. You can kind of just be yourself and also you get to know everyone. So it's everyone, right. the environment is just, it's good overall. Yeah. So we're talking about Black Friday and trucking on the podcast today. And uh, one of the questions we had is as a load planner, uh, how do you see the holiday season impact your loads? Is it along the same lines as what we see as consumers? Or do you see kind of a, a shift in the schedule where it comes before? How does it affect you? I think that with, with our side, because we're a specialty company to where we don't, I mean, we're, I broker a lot of freight because of my area, but um, it being a specialty company doing hazmat and tinker and hopper and all that, we aren't moving a whole lot of the products that go into the consumer's hands. Um, but I mean, when I have to broker a load, unfortunately, when you're going into a shipper or a receiver due to so many people inundating that space, there's wait times. So, you know, just, I just tell the, do the drivers, you know, document it. It's all we can do. We can't make them move any faster sometimes. Well, sometimes I tell them, hey, offer them a hundred bucks so you can get unloaded quicker. <laughs> and there you go. It works sometimes. But um, I just tell them to be patient. And I mean, that's basically it. Just having to sit and wait when they're loading and unloading. Money talks, right? I mean, ACDC wrote a song about it. <laughs> that's right. They sure did. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> So that's uh, one of the difficulties. Is that the largest difficulty you see drivers experience uh, this, this time of the season? 
Well, the other thing that is for load planners, because we're also uh, travel agents, because um, all the drivers, I would say usually 40 to 60% of the drivers want to go home for Christmas. For sure. So wherever they are, we got to find a way to get them back to the other side of the country or keep them busy until they have to go home. Because if if he has to go home to Florida, one of the drivers is going to Florida and he's in Georgia and he doesn't need to go home for a week and a half, we have to move him around until it's time for him to go home to where he still get, he or she still get the miles under their belt. So they're making that money to go home with. So yeah, it's fun. <laughs> That's, I think that would be the biggest thing that we do is to get the drivers home. That's awesome. That's, that's an incredible benefit for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I know that you guys are really good about getting drivers home for emergencies, holidays, as long as they give enough advance notice, they have their right. home time, but you guys are really good about that. Well, in an emergency, if someone has to get home in an emergency, we we get them home. That's great. We, we don't just send them straight. I mean, we have to broker loads or get loads to get them where they need to go. But we've, we've had someone in Texas that needed to get to Pennsylvania, you know, someone in their family was ill and we did it in three days. So wow. that's, that's really, pretty, that's really, it's great. achievable. Yeah. yeah, that's great. It's great that you keep that as such a priority too, because yes. I mean, you know, you can't say that all the biggest companies are, especially are going to be so worried about every individual driver and no. with H and M, it seems like you guys can. So I do have to tell drivers every once in a while when they get frustrated that, um, this company is all about you. I just make money doing what I'm doing as a job to get you where you need to go. And so you make money. I mean, it's really, it's, we work for the drivers and we have to have some customer freight in order to pay them. You know, we have to, you know, stay true to those lanes because that's, that was, that's what gives us the big money. So mm -hmm. yeah, we're, we're, driver friendly. I really like the way you put that, that you work for the drivers, that they are the priority. Yes. We work for you. I mean, I know that they work for H&M, but putting it that way allows them to see like, we are here to help you. We're not here to use you. So that's, that's something right. that I really appreciate about talking to a lot of people from H&M. We've been hearing that a lot across the board, both from drivers and employees. Um, there's, yeah. there's quite a consensus with that. It, it's a feel good. Yeah, for sure. You're talking about that customer freight. We see things that say there's such a thing as a holiday rush. There's not such a thing as a holiday rush. Do, do you think there's a holiday rush? Um, I think in September, it starts getting a little more uh, busy with the ports. And I mean, with the pandemic and everything that's gone on the, with the ports, um, sometimes it, it, you're inundated with freight and other times there's no freight. Okay. Um, and we have to get creative sometimes and deadhead a driver three or 400 miles just to keep them moving. But, you know, I, I guess in our business, because it is a specialty company, we don't see a whole lot of that at Warner. When I worked at Warner and Hill brothers, we saw a lot of it or I saw a lot of it, but it's not, it's not a big, big thing for us at H and M in my position anyways. Interesting. I'm West Coast. So through your breadth of experience, what advice would you give to drivers concerning that holiday rush whenever it is? I mean, you've had experience at so many different levels and, you know, here you are as a van load planner. What would you tell a new driver headed out for their first holiday rush? Just be patient and document everything. Um, we'll fight for, you know, whatever detention that they need. We're going to do everything we can to where they're not sitting, but it's sometimes it's out of our hands. And, but we will. I will, and I know the others will fight for, you know, them to get paid what they deserve. 
I wish every company was like that. That's that's really incredible. And I actually I had a thought we were talking about getting drivers home in an emergency and talking about the holidays. It got me thinking um, with weather during the holidays in a lot of different states. What happens with weather delays and loads? Does that affect your job? It does. Well, it does. But I think it affects the drivers more because they're stuck in their truck. Sure. You know, I mean, I've had date, you know, guys sitting for three and four days before because I am the Rockies in Washington and Oregon, all of that. I cover all those areas. So, uh, yeah, they've been sitting for a long time. And, you know, we've we try to do our best. Like if a driver is sitting someplace and can't, um, if there's, if there is a fuel stop or something like we'll send them some money here, have, have dinner, you know, it's not much, but you know, we want to do something for you guys. And, um, it, there's, it's nothing we can control. So we just have to do our best to keep them happy. Talk to them a little bit on the phone sometimes and, you know, let them know that you, you know, they're sitting there and they're not just off on some little planet by themselves and just got to be patient and be safe. As we wrap up um, this interview, Novella, I just wanted to ask you, have you ever had an emergency with the load or has anything crazy? Have you ever seen anything crazy in the trucking industry happen? We have. I mean, we've had, you know, like right now I have a driver sitting in Wyoming. He's uh, sick had to go in the hospital and the load was hot that he's on. So we had to move another driver from another area over to pick his load up and go ahead and deliver it. And I mean, he's been in the hospital for like four days, but we've had a, you know, I've had a driver in Minnesota. He had a heart attack and he fell on the floor at the shippers, but they were really nice. They're like, Novella, your driver, they're transporting right now. I'm like, and they did everything for this driver. You know, when you have good relationships with people, you know, they're going to reach out and say, hey, this is going on. We got your driver. We got him taken care of. But, you know, we just have to move drivers around to where we can accommodate, you know, the loads and get the loads delivered, but still make sure our drivers are okay. I mean, that's probably the only emergency that I would say is a driver getting sick or having to stop en route, and then we have to find someone else. Great story. We've also booked loads. If we have to get somebody home, he's in California, and he needs back to California, we'll book loads from both sides, and we'll have a meet in the middle, swap, and then they go back to the areas you were supposed to go. Oh, interesting. It's a really good swapping company. <laughs> really good. That's great. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen so many swaps. I'm like, that is brilliant. Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool to watch. Efficient business. It's so cool to hear. Yeah, it really is. And and we've been fortunate and get to like see it from all sides because we've talked to so many different people in the company. And uh, it, it's very consistent along the lines of you guys are, are there for the drivers yeah. in emergencies and everything like that and it seems like it all happens really quick so uh van load planner for h&m trucking novella conant thank you so much for coming on and sharing today uh we will definitely be back in touch and get you back on the podcast again we loved your preparation you were so ready for this and uh uh, you're setting the standard as far as coming with notes so we really appreciate you there's more than one page (laughs) (laughs) well thank you i appreciate it too it's nice meeting all of you you too thanks Thank you. Okay, Caleb. So go on another journey in your mind with me. You've decided to brave Black Friday, which I know is something that you would never actually do. Uh, You've gone into the masses and you found the perfect gift, the best possible gift for your darling mother. You get home through the inclement weather and the traffic. You're home with the gift. What do you do? I hate Black Friday. Wrap it up, Marcus. 
You got it, boss. For Maria and Caleb, I'm Marcus. This has been Unplugged OTR. Hit us up. Tell us where you're listening from. Say hi.chat slash OTR. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Unplugged OTR. Remember to tell us your stories at sayhi.chat forward slash OTR. Again, that's sayhi.chat forward slash OTR. Or find us on the 104 Network social media channels. If you want to hear more about driving jobs at H&M, find them at hmtrucking.com or on Facebook. Tune in next time and keep the shiny side up, drivers.